Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is the Starship Sofa. Everybody, welcome. Hello everyone and welcome to Oral Delights on a Wednesday night. A show that was very close not to come about, shall we say. It's been rather rocky four days for the Starship Sofa. And if you want to, I'm not going to tell you now because I've just like, I want to get this show out and just make sure everything goes all right. But please come over to the Saturday show where I'll tell you all about it and... You know, Starship Sofa nearly crashed and burned on its launch on being Starship Sofa, the audio science fiction magazine. Nearly crashed and burned. But straight into the story, there's only going to be one story this week. And it'll give, it actually, it'll give you a chance to listen to the other week, the other kind of story as well. So, and sad day's show because, like I say, we've been offline for about four days now. So it's just, I want to get this show out and at least I don't want to miss one. So the story today is by Steve Eilert. And if you haven't heard of Steve Eilert, he is the writer of a fantastic book called Lint. Steve Eilert, born in Bromley, 1967, UK satirical science fiction and Slipstein writer. Eilert claims his books appear in his brain, this is what he says on his Wikipedia page, in one glob, which looks like a piece of gum. I listened to it about three times, straight off the belt. I think it's about 25 minutes long. Do you know what I mean? A firm favourite of Michael Moorcock. And when you listen to this story, you'll understand why, you know, the kind of the quirkiness of it and everything like that. Narration of Dave comes from my good friend Gareth Stack. So, Gareth, thank you very much for this. Links to all writers and narrators. Again, apologies, there's going to be no poetry, nothing like that, because of what's happened over the four days. But I want to keep all that and I will talk about it on the weekend show. And actually, the weekend show is probably going to be a little bit suspect as well. Do you know what I mean? Because, like I say, I didn't even think Starship Sofa was coming back the, the longer it was offline. So, hope you enjoy the story. 
So without further ado, the Starship Sova presents... Gigantic by Steve Eilert Strange aircraft arrived with the sky that morning, moving blood slow, and Professor Skychum was forced from the limelight at the very instant his ranted warnings became most poignant. They're already here! Skychum had once been so straight you could use him to aim down, an astrophysicist to the heart. No interest in politics. To him, Marx and Rand were the same, because he went by pant size. Then, one afternoon, he had a vision which he would not shut up about. The millennium was the dull rage that year, and nutters were in demand to punctuate the mock emotional retrospectives filling the countdown weeks. The media considered that Skyjum fit the bill. In fact, they wanted him to wear one. And the stuff he talked about. There were weaknesses in his presentation, as he insisted that the whole idea occurred to him upon seeing Scrappy-Doo's head for the first time. That dog's a mutant, he gasped, leaning forward in such a way and with so precise an appalled squint to the eyes that he inadvertently pierced the constrictive walls of localised space-time. A flare of interference static, and he was seeing the whole deal like a lava-streamed landscape. He realised he was looking at the psychic hollow shape of recent history, sickly and corrosive. Creeping green flows fed through darkness, these volatile glow trails hurt with incompletion. They converged upon a cesspit, a super sick build-up of denied guilt. This dumping ground was of such toxicity it had begun to implode, turning void black at its core. Like a fractal, detail reflected the whole. Skychem saw at once the entire design and the subatomic data. Zooming in, he found that a poison line leading from two locations nevertheless flowed from a single event, Pearl Harbor. One source was the Japanese government. The other was Roosevelt's order to ignore all warnings of the attack. The sixth stream was made up of 4,575 minced human bodies. In a fast zoom out, this strand of history disappeared into the density of surrounding detail, which in turn resolved into a minor nerve in a spiral lost on the surface of a larger flow of glowing psychic pollution. A billion such trickles crept in every tendril of the hyperdense sludge migration, all rumbling towards this multidimensional landfill of dismissed abomination. And how he wished that were all. Future attempts to reproduce this accidental, etheric manoeuvre resulted in the spectacle of this old codger rocking back and forth with a look of appalled astonishment on his face, an idiosyncratic and media-friendly image which spliced easily into MTV along with those colourised clips of the goofing Einstein. And he had the kind of head propeller hats were invented for. Skyjum went wherever he'd be heard. No reputable journal would publish his paper. On your own doorstep, hyperdimensional placement of denied responsibility. One editor simply stated, Anyone who talks about herding behaviours in no-no. Another stopped him in the street and sneered a series of instructions which were inaudible above the midtown traffic, then spacked a foaming full stop at the sidewalk. Chat shows, on the other hand, would play a spooky theremin fugue when he was introduced first time was an eye-opener. Fruitcake corner, 
This guy's got the seven seal gaffer taped to his ass and claims he'll scare up an apocalypse out of clear blue sky. Come all the way here from New York, Dr. Theo Skychum. Welcome! Polite applause, and already some sniggers. The host was on garrulous overload, headed for his end like a belly-laughing wall of death rider. How he'd got here was anybody's guess. Dr. Skychum, you assert that... Come the millennium, extraterrestrials will monopolize the colonic irrigation industry. How do you support that? Amid audience hilarity, Sky Chum stammered that that wasn't his theory at all. The gravity of his demeanor made it all the more of a crack-up. Then the host erupted into bongo frenzy, hammering away at two toy flying saucers. Sky Chum was baffled. He found that some guests were regulars, who rolled off the charmed banter with ease. Well, see here, Ray. This life story of yours appears to have been carved from a potato. I know, Bill, but that's the way I like it. You said you had a little exclusive for us tonight. What's that about? Credited or not, Bill, I'm an otter. Thought so, Ray. Thought so. It blew by on an ill, hysterical wind, and Sky Chum couldn't get with the program. He'd start in with some light-hearted quip about bug-eyed men and end up bellowing... Idiots, discarding your own foundation. Oppression evolves like anything else. Even on serious shows, he was systematically misunderstood. The current affairs show, The Unpalatable Truth, were expressing hour-long surprise at the existence of anti-government survivalists. This was the 87th time they'd done this, and Sky Chum's exasperated and finally sobbing repetition of the phrase, Even a child knows! was interpreted as an attempt to steal everyone's faint thunder. And when his tear-rashed face filled the screen, blurring in and out as he asked, Does the obvious have a reachable bottom? He was condemned for making a mockery of the media debate. A televangelist accused him of Godless snoopery of the upper grief. And when Sky Chum told him to simmer down, cursed him with some vague future aggravation. The whole thing was a dismal mess, smeared beyond salvation. Skychum's vision receded as though abashed. There was no shortage of replacements. One guy insisted the Millennium Bug meant virtual sex dolls would give users the brush off for being over a hundred years old and broke. Another claimed he spoke regularly to the ghost of Abe Lincoln. My communications with this lisping blowhead yield no wisdom at all, he said. But I'm happy. Then he sneezed like a crop duster, festooning the host with phlegm. The commentators deemed radical were those going only so far as to question what was being celebrated. Sky Chum himself found he wanted to walk away. But even he had to admit the turn was a big deal. Humanity having survived so long and learnt so little. There was a defiant rebelliousness about it that put a scampish grin on everyone's face. For once, people were bound with a genuine sense of kick-ass accomplishment and self-congratulatory cool. Skychum began at last to wish he was among them. But just as he felt his revelation slipping away, it would seem to him that the mischievous glint in people's eyes were red-shifted to the power of the earth itself if viewed from a civilized planet and his brush with perspective would return with the intensity of a fever dream. 
floating through psychic contamination above a billion converging vitriol channels toward the massive rumbling cataract of discarded corruption drawing near Skychum had seen that ranged around the cauldroning pit like steel nuts around a wheel hub were tiny glinting objects they were hung perfectly motionless at the rim of the slow vortex these sentinels gave him the heebie-jeebies, but he zoomed in on the detail. There, against the god-high waterfall of volatility, spaceships. Ludicrous. There they were. If we dealt honestly, maturely with our horrors, he told the purple-haired clown hosting a public access slot, Instead of evading, rejecting, and forgetting, all the energy of these events would be naturally reabsorbed. But as it is, we have treated it as we treat our nuclear waste. And where we have dumped it, it is not wanted. The most recent waste will be the first to return. Lest in first out, eh? said the clown somberly. Precisely, said Skychum. "'Well, I wish I could help you,' stated the clown with offhand sincerity. "'But I'm just a clown!' This is what he was reduced to. Had any of it happened? Was he mad? A matter of days before the ball dropped in Times Square, and Skychum was holed up alone, blinds drawn, bottles empty. He lay on his back, dwarfed by indifference. So much for kicking the hive. The authorities hadn't even bothered to demonize him. It was clear he'd had a florid breakdown, taking it to heart, and the public. Could he leave, start a clean life? Everything was strange, undead and dented. He saw again, ghosting across the ceiling, a hundred thousand Guatemalan civilians murdered by US-backed troops. He'd confirmed this afterwards, but how could he have known it before the vision? He only watched CNN. In a strong convulsion of logic, Skychum sat up. At that moment, the phone rang. A TV guy accused him of dereliction of banality, laughing that he had a chance to redeem himself and trumpet some bull for the masses. Skychum agreed, too inspired to protest. It was called The Crackpot! Arena! And it gathered the cream of the foil hat crowd to shoot the rarefied breeze in the hours leading up to the turn. This interlocked perdition of panmoronic pundits and the macabre grippers was helped and hindered by forgotten medication and the pencil breaking perfectionism of the director. One nutter would be crowned King of the Freaks at the top hour. The criteria were extremity and zero shame at the lectern. Be ridiculed, or dubbed the royal target of ridicule. Skychum marvelled at the custom joinery of this conceit, and he was probably in with a chance. In the bizarre stakes, what could be more improbable than justice? The host's eyes were like raisins, and existed to generously blockade his brain lobes. As each guest surfaced from the cracker barrel, he fielded them with a patronising show of interest. A man holding a twig spoke of the turn. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. All I can reveal, he said, meeting out his words like a bait trail is that it will be discouraging and very, very costly. For me? asked the host, and the audience roared. For me, said the man, and they were in the aisles. Make a habit of monkey antics, declared another guest. Pleasure employs muscles of enlightenment. Then he led in a screaming chimp, assured everyone its name was Ramon, pushed it down a slide and said, There you go! Skychum told him he was playing a dangerous game. A sag-eyed old man pronounced his judgment. The dawn of the beard was the dawn of modern civilization. In what way? In that time spent growing a beard is time wasted. Now curb this strange melancholy. Let us burn our legs with these matches and shout loud. Uh, I'm sorry, what? And the codger was dancing a strange jig on the table, crackling from a dry throat. One conk on the head and he'll stop dancing, whispered someone behind the cameras. Another suspect was the ringmaster of the lobster circus, who lashed at a wagon ring of these unresponsive creatures, as though at the advancing spawn of the devil. The time will come, he announced, when these mothers will be silent. And at that he laid the whip into a lobster positioned side on to him, breaking it in half. A little girl read a poem. Behind answers are hooverflies, properly modest, but they will do anything for me. One guy made a stone-faced assertion that belching was an actual language. Another displayed a fossilized eight-ball of mammoth dung and said it was simply biding its time. Another stated merely that he had within his chest a flaming heart, and expected this to settle or negate all other concerns. Then it was straight in with Skychum, known to the host as a heavy hitter among those who rolled up with their lies at a moment's notice. The host's face was an emulsion wall as he listened to the older man describe some grandiose reckoning. Nobody's free until everyone is, right? was the standard he reached for in reply. Until someone is. Airless Martians still gasping in a town of smashed geodesics, he stated. 
and gave no clue as to his question. After wringing the laughs out of Skychum's perplexed silence, he continued, These Martians, what do they have against us? Not Martians! Metaversal beings in a hyperspace we are using as a skeleton cupboard! Horror past its sell-by date is dismissed with the claim that a lesson is learnt, and the sell-by interval is shortening to minutes. I don't understand, said the host, with a kind of defiance. The media believe in revolution at all costs. This is only human. Once again, Skychum's sepulchral style was doing its trick. There was a lot of sniggering as he scowled like a chef. Dismissal's easier than learning. So you're calling down this evangelical carnage? I'm not. In simple terms, for the layman, the eyebrows of irony flipped to such a blur they vanished. How could all these bodies be floating out in hyperspace? Every form which has contained life has its equivalent echo in the super-etheric. If forced back into the physical, these etheric echoes will assume physical shape. Whoa! shouted the host, delighted, and the audience exploded with applause. This was exactly the kind of wacko bullshit they'd come to hear. And why should they arrive at this particular time? They have become synchronized to our culture. Those who took on the task, it is appropriate, poetic. The audience whooped, flushed with this nuts sincerity. The great thing about being ignored is that you can speak the truth with impunity. But I call you a fraud, Dr. Skychum. These verbal manipulations cause a hairline agony in the honest man. Expressions of the grave should rival the public? I don't think so. Where's the light and shade? Skychum leant forward, shaking with emotion. You slur me for one who is bitter and raging at the world. But you mustn't kick a man when he's down. And so I regard the world. Then Ramon the Chimp sprang onto its head, shrieking and flailing. Dr. Skychum, said the host, if you're right, I'm a monkey. The ringmaster of the Lobster Circus was declared the winner. The man with the flaming heart died of a coronary, and the man with the dung fossil threw it into the audience and stormed off. A throne, shaped like the half-shells of a giant nut, was set up for the crowning ceremony. Skychum felt light, relieved. He had acquitted himself with honour. He enjoyed the jelly and ice cream feast set up for the contestants backstage. Even the chimp's food-flinging antics made him smile. He approached the winner with goodwill. Congratulations, sir. Those lobsters of yours are a brutal threat to mankind. The winner looked mournfully up at him. I loved him, he whispered, and was swept away, backwards by the makeup crew. At the moment of the turn, Skychum left the studio building by a side entrance, hands deep in his coat pockets. Under a slouch hat which obscured his sky, he moved off down a narrow street, roofed completely by the landscape of a spacecraft's undercarriage. During the last hour, as dullards were press-ganged onto ferris wheels and true celebrants arrested in amplified streets, Hundreds of multidimensional ships had hovered near. Denial allow shields up. 
uncloaking, they had appeared in the upper atmosphere like new moons. Now they hove into position over every capital city in the world. Impossible to evade. Fifteen miles wide, these immense overshadow machines rumbled across the sky like a coffin lid drawing slowly shut. New York was being blotted out by a floating city whose petaled geometry was only suggested by sections visible above the canyon streets. Grey hieroglyphics on the underside were actually spires, bulkheads and structures of skyscraping size. Its central eye, a mile-wide concavity, deep in shadow, settled over Beijing, Berlin, Nairobi, Los Angeles, Kabul, Paris, Zurich, Baghdad, Moscow, Tokyo, and every other conurbation with cause to be a little edgy. One nestled low over the White House, like an inverted cathedral. In the early light, they were silent, unchanging fixtures solid and subject to the sun. The president, hair like a dirty iceberg, slapped on a middling smile and talked about caution and opportunity. Everywhere, nerves were clouded around with awe and high suspension. Traffic stopped. Fanatics partied. The old man's name was remembered, if not his line. A woman held a sign aloft, saying, I'm a sky chum. Cities waited under dumb, heavy air. Over the White House, a screeching noise erupted. The central eye of the ship was opening. Striations like silver insect wings cracked. Massive steel doors grinding downwards. A silver flower opening down over Parliament, Whitehall and the dead Thames. Over the Reichstag building, the World Bank, the Beijing Politburo. The DC saucer eye was open, the bellow of its mechanism echoing away. Onlookers craned to see up inside. For the space of two heartbeats, everything stopped. Then a tiny tear dropped out of the eye, splashing on the White House roof, and then another, falling like a light fleck of snow. These were corpses, these two Human corpses, followed by more in a shower which grew heavier by the moment, some crashing now through the roof, some rolling to land in the drive, bouncing to hit the lawn, bursting to paint the porticos. And then the eye began gushing. Everywhere the eyes were gushing, with a strange, continuous, multiphonic squall, the ragged dead rained from the sky. Sixty-eight forgotten pensioners buried in a mass grave in 1995 were dumped over the Chicago social services. Hundreds of blacks murdered in police cells hit the roof of Scotland Yard. Thousands of slaughtered East Timorese were dumped over the assembly buildings in Jakarta. Thousands killed in the test bombings at Hiroshima and Nagasaki began raining over the Pentagon. Thousands tortured to death showed up in Abuja. Thousands of Sudanese slaves were dumped over Khartoum. The border-dwelling Khmer Rouge found themselves cemented into a mile-high gut slurry of three million Cambodians. Thousands of hill tribesmen were dropped over the Bangladeshi parliament and the World Bank. 
the latter now swamped irretrievably under corpses of every hue. Berlin was almost instantly clotted, its streets packed wall to wall with victims. Beijing was swamped with tank fodder and girl babies. The Pentagon well filled quickly to overflowing, blowing the building outward as surely as a terrorist bomb. Pearl Harbor dupes fell on Tokyo and Washington in equal share. The streets of America flooded with Japanese, Greeks, Koreans, Vietnamese, Cambodians, Indonesians, Dominicans, Lebanese, Timorese, Central Americans and Americans, all beclouded in a pink mist of Dresden blood. London was a flowing sewer, then the bodies started falling. Parliament splintered like a matchstick model. In the Strand, the living ran from a rolling wall of the dead. A king tide of whole-eyed German, Indian, African, Irish and English civilians surged over and against buildings which boomed flat under the pressure. Cars were battered along, flipped and submerged. The Thames flooded its banks, displaced by cadavers. No longer preserved by denial, they started to sludge. Carpet-bombing gore splattered the suburbs, followed by a human slurry tumbling down the streets like lava. Cheap human fallout from pain ignored and war extended for profit. The first wave. So far only 60 years worth, yet tiling like bulldozed trash. It spread across the map like red ink blots destined to touch and merge. Skychum had taken the 820 Amtrak north from Grand Central. It had a policy of not stopping for bodies. Grim, he viewed the raining horizon, dust motes in a shaft of light, and presently, quietly, he spoke. Many happy returns. Don't forget, copyright for that story is by Steve Eilert. Don't go trying to make a little quick bit of money on it. And again, thank you, Gareth, for that fantastic narration. What a great voice Gareth has got. So, please, that's the end of the Starship Sova. A very cut short oral delight. Apologise for that, but you will find out. Please join me at the weekend. I would just like to say good night from me. survive this terrible ordeal? Can they win through with their integrity unscathed? Can they escape without completely compromising their honour and artistic judgement? Tune in next week for the next exciting instalment of Starship Sofa. Evacuation procedure initiated. Shuttle set for launch. Airlock will be opened in 3, 2, 1... Imagine the 
softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.